Well, CFL week in Regina this week, so I thought it'd be uh, apropos to talk a little football with uh, our football analyst, Blake Dermott, who joins us now. Hey, Blake, how are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, Off-season's been good? It, it has been, it, it's been generous. What, uh, what was it like as a player in the off-season? It, it seems they're so long, the off-season. I know players need it to, to get healthy and get focused and work out and everything, but uh, how'd you like the off-season as a player? Was it, uh, was it tough to get through it, or, or was it tough to, for the start of training to come up on you quickly? It always seemed to come up on, on you really quickly, even though you knew you had six months. But uh, it's probably a lot different now than it was then. I mean, you still have to take some time away from the game just to let your body heal. And that's usually what would happen. And I would start my serious workouts right around right around Christmas time and then, and then ramp up. Uh, but you start to get really excited as you get closer. You know, about six weeks away, you're always going, okay, have I done enough? Am I, you know, and you'd really try to... to, to to put the last uh, you know pieces together before training camp, but it, it it was always an exciting time coming up to it. We're a little more than six weeks away, but the the temperatures are getting warmer, the snow's starting to melt, so everybody's obviously starting to think about football a little bit more. So I thought I'd take some time and just kind of talk about the Eskimos off season just a little bit. Uh, the first thing that I really like what they've done this year is. Uh, and it, it, it hadn't happened for a long time until the two years Chris Jones was here as head coach, with one exception where he, he changed an offensive line coach. But the entire coaching staff is coming back. I cannot remember the last time that happened with the Eskimos. I know under Cavis Reed, they, they flip-flopped a lot and had, had new guys coming in at several spots all the time. But what does that mean to a football team to have the entire coaching staff coming back? Well, I think it's uh, it's huge. Uh, we were when I was playing, we were lucky. We had we had coaching staff stick together for a number of years. Uh, uh, but you always, you know, it's the same with players. We were just talking about the. the the new faces that are going to be with the club this year, and how many guys that were there last year aren't here this year. Uh, so it, it's it is expected in professional sports that you're going to see movement and transition because guys are always trying to better their positions with respect to how much money they're going to make. But um, having the, the coaching staff back, uh, all of them, you know, brings a level of comfort to the players, brings a level of you know what what to expect from a guy, what he expects from me. I mean, those are things that are really uh, you know players are always looking for that. They want that communication and they want to be able to have that understanding with coaches and and when you're switching all the time it, it's difficult to get and the playbook remains the same again as well which is which is also important especially with the with the, I was going to say with the coordinators returning but that's not exactly the case offensively uh, of course Mike Benavidi is coming back as defensive coordinator but offensively there's a change in offensive coordinator but I don't think there's a change in systems at all because uh, Carson Walsh goes from uh, receivers coach and pass game coordinator to be the uh, offensive coordinator uh, and Jason Moss takes a step back a little bit as, as he says to talk about uh, to, to work with the entire football team more than just with the offense but I don't think the offense is going to change that much if at all no you're, you're probably right uh, although you know there's every guy has their own stamp right so mm-hmm. every guy will have his own way of dealing with certain situations but but the, the playbook is the most important thing. I mean, that's it, the toughest thing for any organization is when you're constantly in that transition and, and, and players are always having to relearn. Uh, again, you know, you've got this level of comfort coming into the season knowing that we can start on page two instead of, you know, going back to page one and, and uh, starting right from the beginning. So Carson Walsh, the only change, and again, it's not really a change. And he did call the plays the last game of the regular season um, um, when uh, the microphone situation came up, which we won't get into. But uh, so uh, 
Jason Moss knows him, knows he can do the job. And, uh, I mean, he worked in the NFL for a couple of years, and he's, he's clearly an experienced coach. Uh, I, I was looking at his numbers, and I, and I don't have them on the top of my head, but he's a young man, but he's coached for a long time. Like, this guy is a professional football coach, and I think it's probably a good move going forward to give him more responsibility. When you look at professional football coaches, as you call them, a lot of them have this uh, huge resume or are in their mid-30s. You know, mm-hmm. these guys come right out of college and realize that they – if they're going to continue on with football as a, as a career, that they have to get into coaching really early. And some of these guys start as uh, graduate assistants at you know the age of 21, 22 years old. And so by the time they're 35, they've got 15 years of coaching. And, 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 and yeah, that's uh, professional coaches are that way. And uh, I, I couldn't do it as a, for a living, but thank God those guys do because they're they're truly committed to what they what their craft and what they are, unsung are, heroes of football for sure because they're they're nomads. They move around. You have to if you're going to be a coach, you have to be prepared to move your family or move by yourself, which is always difficult as well. And uh, coaches do it all the time, which is, which is uh, it's a tough life, but yep. you got to love football to do it for <laughs> sure. So that's the, the coaches remain the same, basically, which I think is obviously a good move. And if going into the offseason where everybody was looking at position-wise, I think, was in that defensive backfield. Uh, there were some issues there last year. We all know that. I, I don't think Ed Hervey's done yet. And I think there's guys who will be signed who they think can step in possibly, or maybe there's still some free agents out there that they're talking to. I know they just signed Johnny Adams last week. That's a big signing. I mean, 2015, he was a good player for Winnipeg in his, in his rookie year. I mean, he had a lot of tackles. He tied for the league lead in interceptions. He had nine knockdowns. Uh, then he had injury problems and got traded last year. If he can get back to 2015, that's a pretty good signing. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you when you look at a, a roster, uh, you know, even teams that are uh, win a Grey Cup, uh, uh, like Ottawa, you just look at how many changes that they're going to make this year. You always expect anywhere between 15 to 20% of your roster turnover. And, and when you look at, uh, uh, we were looking at an old roster from the Eskimos uh, earlier, and there's upwards of 30 new faces with this club on the existing roster now. You know, uh, actually, sorry, 11, I think there's 11 new faces, but 30 guys that were with the team last year are no longer with the team this year. So big changes from that standpoint. Uh, and, and some of them aren't in key positions. I mean, some of them were guys who are practice roster players and things like that. But there's going to be a lot of new faces, but I think uh, no more than the uh, than where the defensive backs are at because – they, you know, they that was a team that went from being a little bit of a, a you know, a, a ball hawk type of a defense last uh, two years ago to a team that gave up an awful lot of yards through the air, and and that could have been from the co- coordinator standpoint. Um, I mean, you had a new coordinator coming in trying to figure out who he's got, and there was a fair bit of turnover with that group last season. So it'll be interesting to see now again with the the two years now, two years in a row, you got the same defensive coaches. These guys will now understand the system a little bit better. Maybe that's going to be better for them. But, but yeah, there's some spots that are open there. Just to get everybody caught up, of course, it uh, looks like John Adams is going to come in and replace Pat Watkins, who will not return. The other cornerback last year was Cord Parks. Uh, he was signed just before training camp last year, and uh, he hasn't re-signed with anyone right now. He was a free agent. And Ed Hervey, during free agency, first couple of days said he hasn't closed the door on Cord Parks, but he also hasn't signed him. He hasn't opened the door either, so we don't know if he's returning. They have Gary Peters, who will challenge for a spot there, and they're obviously going to bring in some 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 cornerbacks to work there as well, and maybe there's a guy out there they're talking to. Uh, the middle part of the defensive backfield looks like it's going to stay the same. Brandon Thompson's re-signed, uh, Marcel Young is re-signed, and Neil King remains. They've lost Kauchi Mwamba, it looks like, who hasn't signed with anyone, I don't believe. So, yeah. uh, you know, there are going to be some changes back there. So, But everyone, I think, is going to be watching the cornerback position to see how they develop there and, and to see how the style changes and how much success they have early. The, you mentioned 
not a lot of changes to key personnel, but probably the the big ones that, that come out at you, that jump out at you for key guys. Um, Watkins not returning, which we just talked about, but DeAnthony Batiste not coming back, uh, tackle on the offensive line. Uh, Eddie Steele, defensive tackle, not coming back. They released him. Mike Miller released, which I think mm-hmm. really surprised a lot of people because he led the league in special teams tackles last year. Uh, and uh, Grant Shaw not coming back. Yeah. Some longtime Eskimos not returning. Donnie O as well not coming back. So there, there always is that change. But let's focus on the change in the middle of the defensive line. Eddie Steele was released. Donnie O signed in Montreal. Steele, of course, has has since moved on and signed in Saskatchewan. Uh, But the Eskimos, it's not that they don't like what Eddie Steele did. They wanted to make a change ratio-wise, and that usually means a good player gets released or traded, and it was Eddie Steele this time because they signed uh, Aston Whiteside to come in from Ottawa, and they also signed Euclid Cummings, who was a free agent, played in Winnipeg a couple years in Toronto. So a clear change along the defensive line. Yeah, that uh, uh, they made a statement as to what they're going to go with. I, I mean, I don't even see uh, there's a couple of Canadian uh, national defensive linemen still around, but uh, 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 those guys are are, are going to be probably predominantly special teams type players. Uh, but they, in order to change that ratio on the defensive line with having a Canadian starter with either Donnie O or uh, Eddie Steele, who started most of the time. Uh, they're going to make that ratio change, and that'll probably be in the linebacker position with Corey Buchanan. So, uh, uh, Corey Greenwood. Corey Greenwood. I'm sorry. Yeah. Corey Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have to make that change there. I don't. We've looked at this a number of different ways. I mean, there may be an, another uh, position that they'll be able to make the change, or the, you know, the roster adjustment. Uh, but I, that's the obvious one that jumps out at you. The other one, and we're waiting to see if he gets signed, is Arjun Colquin, who was a, a high draft pick of the Eskimos last year in the second round, spent training camp with the Dallas Cowboys, a defensive back, and got injured, didn't play last year, a free agent now. We'll see if he's still exploring NFL opportunities or if the Eskimos are able to get him under contract. That could be a change as well. But the, right now it looks like it's Corey Green, which is a good signing. Greenwood uh, has had some injury problems. He spent three years in the NFL. Actually, and- I was looking at he was drafted in 2010, and I think he signed with Toronto in 2015. So yeah. he was five years. Yeah, he around. played four years for the Kansas or three years for the Kansas City Chiefs and played every game. Like yeah. he dressed for every game. He wasn't a, a part-time player uh, and has had a pretty good CFL career except for the injuries. If he stays healthy, he's a guy who breaks the ratio, which is important. You can put, you know, you've had Dexter McCall, you've had Dion Lacey there, both Americans. Now you put a Canadian in that spot in the linebacking core, and it allows you to go All-American on the defensive line. But I think Greenwood's a good signing. A guy, he's around, look at his numbers, he's around the football a lot. 70 tackles in 12 games last year to lead the Argos. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, he, he did have solid numbers last year. The, the thing that um, I guess concerns me a little bit with that uh, front seven is you look at everybody's birth certificates, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you see, uh, I'm not sure where Sherrod's at, but I, I got to believe he's got to be in that 28, 29. Yeah, he's 20, I think he's 27, about to be 28, I think, but yeah. right there. Yeah. And then, and uh, Greenwood is 31, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you look at their front, their front, uh, well, I want to say front four, but it's really their, their key guys, Hunt, um, uh, Willis, uh, Marcus Howard and Amondo Sewell. Like yeah. three of those four guys are 31, and Odell Willis is 32. Yeah, so it, it's it's. I think it's clear they're taking one last crack with this group. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good group. Like oh, they're they're all group. still playing well. Yeah, but solid. they're older, and and I think that's probably in the back of Ed Hervey's mind going forward. Is he's got to have some kind of succession plan along that defensive line at some point, and that. Obviously, it hasn't happened this year, but it's got to happen through free agency eventually and through the draft, I guess, it coming up. Well, and the other thing you got the, the Eskimos have to be a little bit concerned about is the, um, um, you know, 
putting all your eggs in one basket with the Canadian ratio with Greenwood, mm -hmm. making you said he had some injuries, and when you get to be in your 30s, those th those injuries can start to add up. So they got to make sure that they've got some other players, uh, Canadian guys, if that's going to be your ratio. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If you're going with a Canadian linebacker, you got to have Canadian backups for him, right? Yeah, and uh, you know when you look at uh, Konar, uh, had a, a really strong year at the beginning of the year last year, but then he's been injured for the last. Hasn't year. played uh, hasn't played consistently or stayed healthy consistently since they drafted him. Really, that's right. So so we've got you know that's if that's the heir apparent if that's the guy then they have to really be concerned about making sure that that he's healthy and and, and is ready to go this year also Blair Smith re-signed in the offseason as well and he was great is a great special teams player and I think maybe he's going to get some of Mike Miller's load in that department but also maybe he's going to get a chance to play on defense a little bit more as well yeah I, I think that they've got some uh, you know Hoffman Ellis uh, but yeah from uh, from a uh, international standpoint you know he's He's, again, had some issues with injuries, uh, bags, uh, another one. that, uh, uh, So they have some people that I think can step in. Whether or not they fill the shoes of Dion Lacey, uh, you know, Dion Lacey was three years with the Eskimos and then had his one big start and, and, and had an, an outstanding year and still maintained a, a high level on special mm -hmm. teams. There's some big shoes to fill with that yeah. guy. And, so. and go back a year, you're still, you know, I mean, and this is not a slight against Dion Lacey, but he's a step down from Dexter McCoyle. Yeah. So you want to make sure you don't take another step down and go from where you were in 2015 to, to where you are now, right? If that's you're taking right. steps back each year, right? Yeah. So it, it, that's going to be interesting to see how it develops for the Eskimos in the linebacking core. Uh, the front seven looks pretty solid, and I think a much better front seven with maybe with more pressure is going to help in the back end where they struggled last yeah, year. Yeah, I think I think adding the, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, getting rid of the Canadian uh, ratio number at that interior defensive tackle spot uh, may create a, a better um, a mismatch for guys like Amando Sewell. You know, if you've got another guy that's just like him, you know, when I was, we're looking at this uh, statistically, the size of Euclid Cummings, and I mean, he, he looks like a clone of Sewell. You know, yeah. he's 6'3, 298 pounds, so you know he's probably about north of 300. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't have to be a clone playing wise because that's, if, if he is, that's fantastic because, as you say, you know, uh, Sewell's one of the best, but if he can just support him and be there and, and just, be a step up and obviously they feel they wanted to go American there to get a, a little bit better than they have been with the Canadian in that position over the last couple of years. Well I think the biggest thing is that if you've got to have, if you're going to play the style of defense that they played last year which wasn't as much pressure and, and uh, they, they just didn't get to the quarterbacks like they did the years before. Mm -hmm. you, you want to have some more pressure up front and, and if you can get some push from that interior that's going to make it easier for your edge guys and I yeah. think that's going to help. Alright, uh, before we go to offense, uh, a quick get your thoughts on, on the kicking situation Sean White was re-signed, and he's going to do all three this year, it Looks at least to start the season. Uh, Grantshaw has not been signed by anyone, and, and Ed Hervey again kept the door up and said, we know he's around, we know he lives in Edmonton, we know uh, him, he knows us, so if he's available and we need him, they'll reach out to him. But that's there's a lot of ifs in that conversation. So uh, your thoughts on, on Sean White taking over all three kicking duties? Well, I think Sean White uh, did a phenomenal job over the last couple of seasons. Like he truly had, uh, you know, resurrected. He was on the trash heap mm -hmm. uh, and uh, resurrected his career and has done a great job. Now, whenever you go from doing one job to now adding to a, to a second job, um, is that going to impact what you've done before? And I think it will. I think it, it, it's just natural that he's, uh, if he's even just doing the kickoffs. I mean, Grant shot along, uh, at a, a real live leg, and I'm not sure that um, uh, the Eskimos uh, kickoff team is going to get, I would, I would guess you'd probably be looking at about a five-yard loss in, in uh, starting point from uh, 
opposing teams because I don't think he's got the leg to be able to get the ball down to the 10-yard line, 5-yard mm-hmm. line. I, I just don't think that's going to – but is that going to be a significant loss? I don't know. Um, the other thing is, is now he's got a punt. And, you know, we've watched him over the last couple of years. He's out there every day. He's punting before the games because he's a backup punter. And, and you'd watch Grant Shaw kick. And, and granted, I, I, there were times Grant Shaw uh, would – I, I would call him a 5 or 50 kicker. You know, every once in a while he's got this booming 50-yard kick, and then every once in a while he shanks one. And, uh, um, but it, it, whenever he did that, the hang time was impressive. Even yeah. if it was a shank kick, they got, he got the ball up in the air. And where, when we were watching uh, Sean White kick the ball, uh, his tra- trajectory is a lot lower. Uh, mm-hmm. So what's that going to do to the cover team? Uh, what's that going to do for, you know, your net yardage? Uh, is his net yardage going to be impacted? And now he's punting the ball 10, 12 times a game. That's extra and, and kickoffs. Uh, four or five times. That's 15, 16 more kicks to a guy who's used to kicking the ball maybe eight times a game. Yeah. What's yeah. that going to do to his leg strength? And, and, and it's, and it's, you got to, you, you probably won't kick the ball more in practice, but you'll do, you'll, you'll practice field goal less and you'll practice punting less, right? Because you're still going to do your, I don't know how many kicks you have in, in practice, but if, if you kick 50 field goals and your punter punts the ball 50 times, one guy's not kicking it yeah. 200 times, right? Yeah. Or, or 100 times, or whatever, right? So it, it takes away, you know, it's give and take, right? You know, and the mechanics are different. Yeah. They, they really truly are. The mechanics for punting is different than kicking a, a field goal. And, you know, uh, kicking a field goal is different from kicking a kickoff because now you're, you're running at the ball. Your, your plant foot is a little bit different. You're, you're, uh, and I guess how you kick the ball, it looks like you kick the ball much harder when you're kicking off than when mm-hmm. you kick the field goal. So, so it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that impacts him. Uh, I think that, uh, I think Sean White is, uh, is a, a very good kicker. Um, but I think that if everybody has the same expectations of him having the percentages for field goals, I think uh, that stuff is going to come down. Yeah, 93, probably regardless if he's punting or not, he's probably coming down from 93, right? Because yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty lofty. Yeah, pretty I, lofty I just think it's going to impact him. It has to. It's going to be uh, interesting to watch how that develops. All right, uh, quickly on offense, Blake, uh, not a lot changes offensively except for Darrell Walker's gone. Um, that is, he's a... He, he, the numbers he put up were incredible. You can't replace him. You know that coming out of the hop. You got a pretty good jump on it with Brandon Zilstra last year when he got to play at the end of the year. Um, what's your take on on No Walker and how it'll affect this offense? I think it's uh, I, Mike Riley's a good enough quarterback um, to uh, to be able to find the receivers. So I, I think from his standpoint, that may not impact him. I think having Walker uh, will impact uh, Adarius Bowman. Because yeah. because those two complemented each other and made it very difficult for for teams to key on one or the other because there was always the other guy that was just as big a threat. There's and only they, one poison to pick now, right? Right, yeah. and, and and they're very they work really well together when they were on the same side of the field. So they 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 ran their routes very complementary. Um, I really liked Zilstra last year. I think he was a guy that when he got into the games uh, caught everything that was thrown at him. I think he dropped one ball. I think mm-hmm. in the time he uh, uh, and he's got. He's got speed. Like, I think he's got Darrell Walker-type speed. Um, they say he's a 4-2 guy, and uh, we just never – and they used him primarily as a slot back last year, but he's also six foot three, and he's mm-hmm. 220 pounds, and this guy can jump. So, I mean, this could be an absolute breakout season for Zilt- Ziltra. Uh, uh, maybe he's the guy that uh, can replace uh, uh, Darrell Walker. But but then you got Hazleton in there, too, and uh, had yeah. a solid year with, with Toronto last year until, you know, whatever happened. Everything went south, yeah. Everything went south. So they do have a couple of guys there that can that will fill that spot, but 
I would I would really look to see Zilster be that guy unless they want to use him as a slot. You know, if they want to use him because of his body size and mm-hmm. you know his ability to catch and cra- traffic and crowds, they may they may want to use him. And inside. with with Shamad Chambers back, they could go back to what they were doing two years ago when they won the Grey Cup, and that's have split the Canadians wide and have Chambers wide on one side and Kuhorn wide on the other side and have the go with the uh, three. You can do three Americans or two Americans and, and Corey Watson. That's another decision they're going to have to make, right? Because when they added Getzlaff last year, they they kind of committed until Watson got hurt to three yeah. Canadians, right? I don't know if they are going to do that this year or not, and that's a, that's going to be a tough decision to make down the line. Yeah, um, but I, I there there is uh, they they do have some options. Um, it's it's always difficult, like you know when uh, uh, Dexter McCoy left. You know, you go how will we ever replace that guy? I don't think you can replace that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Darrell Walker, like how would you, how do we replace this guy? I I don't know if you're gonna you're gonna be in that situation where you can find the perfect guy to replace him. But I, I do like the, the two guys that are here, Hazelton and Zilstra. I think those are two guys that uh, give the Eskimos a really, really good, potent receiving core. And and as you mentioned, you know, when you've got uh, Shema Chambers coming back, big body, six foot three, two 220 pounds, you know, he's a big guy. And eager to produce, I'm sure, after a bad year last year in Regina. Yeah, and Corey Watson started to come on a little bit last mm-hmm. year, too. Like, I, I really liked this game near the end of the season. Once he got, you know, he was hurt, sorry, got hurt at the end of the season yeah. or mid, uh, mid to second half. But he was having a decent year, yeah. and and uh, um, and and now comes back. He knows that they moved things around and made Zilstra a big part of it. And when he came back, they kept Zilstra in, right? Yeah. They made room for Zilstra, so he knows that you know there's a bubble movement here, right? And, and right. he's he's going to have to play play pretty well to keep things going. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think receivers, uh, although you know who it's going to be for the most part, it's going to be an interesting part to watch at training camp just to see how they, if they go two and three uh, with Canadians and Americans or not, and, and and just see how they, where they line them up. One of those guys that we, we're not even considering because he's listed as running back is Lawrence. Yeah, How's Lawrence I, I was going to get him to think, he kind of works into it too. And, and yeah. in fact, distributing the ball, he can be so dangerous. You know, you can line him up as a, as a running back and then he'll just take, you know, just start to gallop, and he's out. You know, he's he's in the slot all of a sudden, and he becomes another weapon. So right. uh, they could line up both him and John White in the backfield, right? And then uh, he, you know, Kendall Lawrence will flip out uh, to a receiver. So yeah, they got options for sure. And and I know they tried it last year with Xander Robinson. Jason Moss wanted that big, big fullback. Robinson retired before I, I think it was an injury issue before camp even started. And then they went out and uh, signed uh, Alexander Dupuis this year. He's kind of not quite as big, but still big, and he's a fullback. And Ed Hervey, even when they signed him, made notice and. Jason wanted this body type for this position. So mm-hmm. obviously we saw him use um, the guy in, in Ottawa who escapes my, my uh, yeah, He's I don't know why. Been away from football for too long. So uh, we've seen that, uh, you know, we, we've seen that for so long that he uses that in, in an offense in Ottawa and, and very successfully too. So we'll see if that works into it or not. O- offensively, I don't think there's going to be, you know, they're not going to have the backup running back that they thought like they had last year because he's not coming back. I don't believe. Uh, so well, you know what though, the, uh, and this is why you don't see running backs drafted uh, in the first round in the NFL draft very often because running backs are a dime a dozen. I I, I mean, there are some really good ones, but they're 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 like. Uh, uh, Shooting stars, they burn out really quickly, you know, because they get a, they take a beating, and and they can be so a lot of guys don't spend a lot of uh, a lot of high draft picks in the NFL, in, in particular drafting these guys, uh, but there's lots of guys out there that can run the ball, and I and with only three of them right now on the roster, Trayvon Van uh, and uh, Lawrence and White, um, 
there's going to be probably two more guys that the the Eskimos are going to sign, and they'll probably come from some small school that no one's ever heard of, and uh, and just fit this league. So it'll be interesting to see when the, as it gets closer to the season. And and that's the toughest thing I think about football is you don't know like only only the scouts and the GMs know how good those guys are coming out of college because they've watched them. We don't know like nobody knew who Dexter McCoy was when he arrived. No yeah. one knows who any of these guys are when they arrive. Uh, but I mean, it, usually it takes a couple of weeks and you go, wow, this guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's gonna fit in fine. So that's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a bit of a stretch now to get to uh, get to training camp, but uh, we've talked a little football, so maybe that'll do us uh, <laughs> hold us over for a while. Blake, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. No problem, Morley.